Hey everyone, welcome to the Now You Can Know podcast, where we talk about data lakes, analytics, and data visualizations so you can measure what matters. We're your hosts, Ben Hayden and Chris Reynolds, and today we're going to be talking about a high-level explanation of data lakes, data analytics, and visualizations. That's right, that's right. So part of the thing that's really difficult about this topic is that it's it's difficult to explain to people who don't do it on a regular basis. I've yep. run into this already. Um, you know, if you live in this world and you're already doing data analytics on a regular basis, you probably know what a data lake is and you certainly know what data visualization is, but many potential customers uh, will not know that or don't, don't, don't have the same words, don't use the same words. And so one of the things that I started thinking about was how could I describe this to people and, um, and I think many of you who are listening to this are either the kind of person who might want or need a data lake, uh, data visualization, data analytics, or you are uh, amongst our more technical audience, um, which I assume over time, since Ben and I will need to be... Yeah. Well, part of that, I, I was thinking if we're going to document our, our uh, process as we go along here, sure, the things we talk about are going to be at least moderately technical. And we may yeah. have some episodes where we just say like, hey, listen, this is a super technical episode. <laughs> so, yeah. You feel free to skip this one. That's a good yeah. point. This one is not. This is actually yeah. my attempt to explain this to people who might be users of this type of data. And so again, for those of you who are in the more technical side, like this is probably useful language and, and we'd love to hear about ways that, that you've figured out how to describe this to your customers. But I think the first thing that I think about with a data lake is describing um, the data, like, like starting from the very beginning. So every business in the world has some idea of a shared drive, right? Like like right. in the old school when you had servers in your office and like nothing was cloud oriented or anything, people had literally like a shared Windows drive. The old E drive. The old E drive. F or drive or whatever. Or whatever. Yeah. That's right. And those uh, are a good place to start because, you know, while most people I think will have, most companies will have a Dropbox account or a SharePoint or they'll have... Um, you know, a Google Drive account, that they've got some sort of centralized account. Yeah. They tend to store important data in those, but they don't think of it as data. Uh, and I think that's an important uh, piece to immediately sort of drop into. So part of the process of explaining a data lake is explaining that this is a centralized location where all of your data exists. And part yeah. of data would be uh, reports. So many companies will run like, let's say month end reports, quarter end reports or annual reports, and they'll store those reports in a central uh, shared drive. We'll call it, you know, it could be a Dropbox account or whatever. And mm -hmm. they also have employees that do things on a regular basis, like daily um, and maybe even more frequently than daily. And they're storing that data too. Uh, again, either as reports right. or whatever, they're storing it somewhere. Here's the thing though, frequently they're not storing it in the same place. Management has a special drive, that's where they put their stuff. And part of this is a security concern, right? So people will be like, yeah. hey, my management reports, I don't want everybody to see. And so they don't put them in the same location. Well, a data lake is like that, except you can put all your data in one location and the security is taken care of for you. Because you can literally lock down 
any part of, uh, of the data. You can lock down columns. You, you can make it where other people, certain roles, can't see certain columns of a report. How cool is that? Yep. You can make it where yeah, people can't see definitely. certain rows of reports. I mean, or not see whole reports at all. And I'm saying reports, but what I'm really meaning is is data. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, right. What, where, do, where is the source of this data, right? So, where does this data come from? So, it's very much like a shared drive. Uh, this is almost exactly what a data lake is. But the problem that we have is first, like, how do we populate that? Like, what all goes into it? And you and I have talked about this quite a bit, Ben. I feel like this is yeah. a an important. Um, we have a hierarchy in our head of of data. Yeah. The the best data you can get by far is access to a database. Some right. of you like that will be listening to this have that. You have access to your database. Maybe you own your, you know, your your core system. Maybe you built your core system. We we worked with mm-hmm. a an insurance company that was a, uh, a a surety company that had an access database that they used and they built everything basically off of this access database and they're and it worked well for what they were doing. If you have that, you have you have the best data because you have primary. You have source the best data. source possible. You do. Yeah. You do. It's clean. Now it can be even better. You can you can put that thing on steroids by adding uh, CDC to that data, which is change data capture, and that just means that anytime data changes, it captured the original state of the data and it captures the change to the data, and you can actually query all of that too in big tables. And why is that important? Well, the reason that that's important is because. If you make an update on a row, and I use this is, is the easiest example I can think of. Yep. You're a company, you have a customer. Your customer has an email address. And, and you send all of your correspondence to their email address. And you sent out something that said, hey, you know, this is, this is uh, something that's changing in, in the future. And you never got any response from this customer. And you find out the customer calls eventually says, hey, what's going on? Like my account's overdrawn or whatever. And you say, well, hey, we, you know, we sent you all this stuff. Oh, my email changed. Your email changed. Well, we changed it in the system. Oh, you did? Okay. Well, it was it the old email or the new email, right? You would need right. to have access to both. So you need to know what, the, what that customer's email address was, for example, in the previous state before it was updated and, and after it was updated. <laughs> so you know what email yeah. address did we even send this thing to? And, yeah. uh, and so that's the idea behind change data capture. Everything that can be modified in a database, specifically with updates, with updates and deletes. Inserts are, are, are safe. You have those anyway. But when sure. you update or delete uh, entries in a database, you really want to have the full history of that, the full transactional history of what happened. And CDC yeah. gives you that. Now that's that's yeah, more that's technical. The, that's the gold standard. Yeah, that's more technical than I even necessarily wanted to get into, but it is the gold standard for for data. So if you have that, you have very good access to to build out uh, a data lake. Um, the the next place that I think would be uh, in terms of quality of data would be uh, API calls. So if your system has the ability to make an API call and get access to that then you almost certainly have access to all of your data. Uh, maybe inconvenient. You may be making API calls and getting JSON data back or something, and, and that's a little bit complicated. But, uh, but if your system has an API, you have the ability to get, to get access to your data and store that in, in your data lake. Uh, the next layer I would think of is data extracts. A lot of systems, I use an example, is so many companies use QuickBooks. So if you have QuickBooks, uh, QuickBooks has the ability to go in and do a full data export of your entire QuickBooks system. And when you do that, you have access to 
quite literally all your data. It's like having access to your database yeah. for QuickBooks. Uh, mm -hmm. And you can take that and you can drop that export. I think it comes out in CSV format. Actually, it's a zip file, and then it, you can extract it to a, to a, a, to CSV. Yeah, and that's a as as of a date, like a snapshot at, at, in time, right? As of a date. So you're saying like as of today, what is the you know what what's the full history of my database essentially? Mm -hmm. um, so you take that data and you can drop that in your data lake as well. So those are also very good sources of data. And then the last one, which is always higher level, but still very good, especially if um, if you use reports on a regular basis, is reports. So reports within a system are usually reasonably well vetted. So it means that the data, all the ways in which the, the data is being manipulated by the system, either by code or by SQL or whatever, um, has been fairly well vetted. And most customers of those systems know what reports are like the, the best reports, well trusted. So we talk right. about this a little bit like in, in anytime you're dealing with data, you want to make sure you have a good idea of how trusted your data source is. And so with reports, um, you know, if you bring in a report that's wrong, it's bad data, uh, guess what? It's going to be bad when, whenever you pull data out. So yep. uh, that's garbage just sort in, of garbage a, out. Garbage in, garbage out. That's just the way that it works. So um, so again, just take it back a notch. Like how, how are we thinking about this? Well, a data lake is like a shared drive, a shared drive that has all your data in it both database data that has been pulled out and extracted, API data, data extracts, and reports, right? It's got all that data just sitting in there. Mm -hmm. And the thing is, if you had all that right now in a shared drive or in your Google Drive or in your SharePoint or whatever, you would have something that's pretty cool. Like you can go access that, you could pull all of that stuff up one way or the other, usually in something like Excel. But it's difficult to do what you want to do because what you really wanna do is you wanna ask questions about your data, right? You want to ask right. questions to your data. <laughs> the problem is yeah. data is not very good at interpreting what you're saying. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, the, the normal person has to pull it up in a bunch of different programs maybe and try to correlate everything. Well, that's a mess. That's not what you want to do. And it takes a lot of time. Enormous amounts of time, right? Like people do this. This, this is actually very normal. I would say most businesses, this is where they stop. They've got a shared drive. They've got a bunch of data in there. And now when they need access to it, they're going to go pull it up in Excel in 40 different ways, try to find ways to merge the data together. And it's a big pain. And it always ends up with a new spreadsheet. Yeah. <laughs> now so. we have a new spreadsheet. This is the new <laughs> spreadsheet we have. So the, the way you solve that is that all of, all of the data sources I just mentioned, they come in usually CSV format or Excel format. Um, and some of you that are maybe on the more technical side, you might find some data that's in a tabular type format. So it looks like a table, but it's in something like Parquet or it's in something like Avro. There's a bunch of different types of format, but all of those can be converted one way or the other into something that Excel mm -hmm. can pull up. So the solution to this problem is that every single one of these data sources can be converted into a fully queryable data source. And I realize that is probably news to people. There are a lot of sure. people who have never considered the idea that you could take an Excel file and convert it into Parquet or, or some file format that is very easy to query. You certainly could turn it into CSV and CSV is directly queryable uh, using uh, a new tool that's been around since, I guess the, it was sort of invented, I think in 2012, a tool called Presto. And Presto's implementation in AWS is called Athena. And so if you're familiar with that, or if you ever heard those words, that's, that's what we're talking about. Um, yeah. with, with that tooling 
and the data stored in the right place. So not just a shared drive. So that this sure. is this is my new little trick that I so now we're going to transform this data so that we can query it. And what we do is we take the data from our shared drive where we have that SharePoint whatever and we pull it in to a, a place where there's block storage. And in general, when Ben and I talk about this, we're usually gonna talk about it in uh, with AWS terminology. Because AWS, uh, in our opinion, probably has the best data lake solution in place. I think lake formation is one of the most advanced solutions for this right now yeah. um, in terms of, of raw storage. And in fact, a lot of the systems that build on top of that, things like Databricks and some some of those types of solutions actually use AWS under the hood, or at least that's one of the solutions that they use under the hood. Mm -hmm. So we can move that data into into Amazon S3, and then we can convert it uh, into a different format uh, that is easily queryable. And from that point, all you have to do is uh, is make sure that the data has been crawled properly, uh, which is just where something goes in, looks over the rows and columns, and says like, "Oh, this this." Uh, Excel file that is now a queryable table. Uh, this are this is what the columns are named, and this is what yep. the data types are for this for these columns. So this is a date, you know, column, and this is a a, a text column or whatever. Yeah, I actually think crawling and that whole aspect could be a podcast oh. episode in of itself. Oh, um, I bet. Because I bet. Yeah, that's a great idea. Just just because uh, how how. Um, in this case, it's uh, AWS glue crawlers, uh, what we're speaking of, um, how it decides to partition data and what partitions are and that right. whole concept. It gets deep. The lake yeah. gets deep. Well, well quick, that, so. that one will be like a, the precursor we'll put out there like for the, <laughs> this is a highly technical conversation. Yeah. But yeah, yeah no, it's, it's, uh, it's a, a magical thing. But once you have the data like that, you can now query it, which means uh, you can ask it questions directly. You can ask the data questions mm -hmm. directly. How do you do that? So like for those of you who have never heard of this before, this, this may come as a shock, but the, the way you do that is with the, one of the oldest languages been around forever, and that would be SQL. So yep. if you have the ability- SQL to sum. SQL to sum, absolutely. Um, I've been saying SQL for so long, I will not be able to say SQL, but- uh, I know, it, the, it the takes SQL so long language. to come out of your mouth. So, so what we're talking about here is not a, a database platform or a relational database management system, what we're talking about here is the language you use to ask questions about your data, and that's that's called SQL. And so, so this way of building up your data lake allows you to ask questions of your data directly and get results back. How do the results come back? Well, they come back in another table, usually. The results are, are another table of data, essentially. You can always think of those, again, like a little Excel worksheet or something similar, but that's how you get the, the response back. Um, and so again, just take it back from the beginning. One more time. We had a shared drive. We pulled a bunch of data into our shared drive, all of our company data into our shared drive. Instead of thinking of it as a shared drive, we're going to think about it like, like it's something like Amazon S3. Once we convert that data into a format that is queryable, we can crawl the data so that it builds a little data dictionary for us, basically a mapping of the schema of the data schema. And then we can actually literally start querying it. Now we're in a really interesting situation we weren't in before. Now, instead of pulling up our data inside of Excel, five, 10 different Excel sheets, <laughs> and merging right. them together and finding things to do, we can, we can actually just write a SQL query across all of those uh, tables. So this may also be news to people that, that 
don't spend any time in in the data world or haven't really spent a lot of time at this level of the the data ecosystem. But one of the magical things about SQL is the ability to join different tables together. And joining tables together is what allows you to, instead of pulling up five Excel documents, you actually just query one after you've merged them all together. And you have to merge them properly or you get all sorts of chaos. You get fan out records, meaning you, you duplicate records or you can lose records. So you have to know what you're doing on SQL, it's true. Uh, but once you have that, you can do some pretty neat things. And SQL is not an overly complex language. It's one of the easiest languages to learn. And it's a very, very important language for higher tech business people to, to understand. Um, yeah. So we make the assumption here that inside of a data lake, you're, you're able to uh, get some SQL proficiency either yourself or you hired in or, or whatever. Yep. The, um, just to mention in case you aren't familiar with Presto, that is the main interface into the Presto engine is uh, SQL. Yep, that's right. You just use SQL so you don't have to code or anything like that. It's just it's just pure SQL. Once you have this, once you have the ability to do queries, you can do something else that's important, um, something that you certainly weren't able to do with your Excel documents, and that is you can now build up views. And views are nothing more than uh, special ways of looking at your data where everything is already prepared. So you don't have to figure out how you're going to join all these tables together. That's been done for you and put into a nice view. So for our, one of the things Ben and I talk a lot about is the insurance world. And that's because we, we spent, you know, 35 combined years in the insurance industry. Sure. So we know a yeah. lot about it. Uh, but if you're a listener and you're not in the insurance industry, there's uh, a lot of parallels here for anything that you're, you're doing on your side. In, in the insurance industry, we, you may have something like a data view for policies and you may have a data view for claims and you may have a data view for accounting data or statutory accounting, something like that. There's a lot of different ways that you can build up views, but building up views sort of become this corporate asset for companies because now they've got mm -hmm. the ability to, it's much easier to write SQL where you're filtering to get what you want, slice and dice your data, all the things that come after if you have this nice prepared view beforehand. So that's what you need, this nice prepared view ready to go um, so that you don't have to worry about how do I join this to that? Oh, where do I go find this other bit of data? Um, so you don't have to do any of that stuff. Yeah. Views. Um, I, I think in a lot of application, uh, systems, a lot of those views are built up of multiple tables because, uh, a view of a single business entity is not contained in a single table. Yeah. And right. uh, most, most systems it's really three or four and some of them could have multiple records that have been changed over time. So there's a, a decent amount of uh, data munging, as as a lot of people in our field call it, to get everything in a pristine view and allow business intelligence queries to actually be executed against it. That's right. That's exactly exactly right. And so once you have this, once you have that in place, everything is now way easier. Now you can ask questions to your data, and your data is in a format that makes it very easy to filter and, and do all the things you need to do. And that's awesome. But you can actually go a step further, and this gets us into data visualization. Once you have views in place, you can pull them into a visualization engine, and you can essentially get interactive charts and graphs. So when we say data visualization, that's a real nerdy way to say interactive charts and graphs, right? Like charts and yeah. graphs, those have been around forever. Pictures. Pictures, but they've, they've actually, they've become so good 
that you can now make data dashboards where when somebody who understands the business context looks at the dashboard, they know exactly what they're looking at. Like, wow, yeah. this is, you know, super useful for things like uh, board meetings, management meetings, um, very useful for just managers to be able to get in and look and keep up with what's going on in the business. Um, maybe, you know, they can track what the life cycle of, uh, of a customer is, you know, inside of one of these dashboards. So there's a lot of different valuable ways that you can, that you can do this. There's a lot of different tooling you can use for data visualization. Uh, that world has, has absolutely exploded over the last several mm -hmm. years. But I, I think the three biggest ones that we see, the oldest one is Tableau. It's been around for a long time. Very, very powerful tool. Um, still, still, very, uh, still a very good tool. Um, Power BI is a newer, uh, a newer entry in, into, the, into the BI field, but uh, has been around now for probably about a decade, I would guess. I'm, I'm getting old and I've forgotten when I when it sort yeah. of first showed up. But I think it's that's about a, a Microsoft a yep. Microsoft tool, correct? Yeah. Yep. Microsoft Power BI, part of the Microsoft suite. Uh, it's an excellent tool. Um, also gives you the ability to export data into uh, into data dashboards that can be published over the internet, and Tableau has this as well. Uh, and then the one that is probably the newest uh, to the to the field is Amazon's QuickSight uh, program. Uh, we use it quite a bit. Uh, we use the other two as well. But Amazon QuickSight is entirely web-based. Uh, and so there's some advantages, I think, to, to having it set up that way. And Amazon is highly incentivized to continue to grow that field because whatever you want to visualize, you have to be storing inside of their... <laughs> inside of... Yes. It doesn't have to be yeah. inside of their network, actually. You can actually store data in things like Snowflake and it, and it would all still, still work. Okay. But uh, yeah, so... So QuickSight, uh, Tableau, Power BI, there's a product called Click uh, that's also a good one. So there's a lot of different tools that you can use to do the visualization. But the reason for visualization is to gain understanding about your business and mm -hmm. also to, to aid your frontline workers in various ways. So again, yeah. uh, drawing it back to the insurance thing, for managerial dashboards are easy. Managerial and, and uh board of directors type uh, dashboards are easy to describe. Essentially, in this case, we're trying to look at big trends. We're trying to look at KPIs. Uh, so those are key performance indicators. I don't want to try to not use things like KPI without describing what it is. KPI, key nice. performance indicator. So in your business, there's probably several uh, things that you track. And if you track on a regular basis, daily, weekly, monthly, whatever, uh, it's the thing that tells you if your business is doing well or not. So, you know, for right. all businesses, things like cash balances and <laughs> revenue and, and uh, all yeah, those things are important. Those are important, right? Important bits. Um, for frontline workers, I'll bring this back to the insurance industry. If, if you're an underwriter in, in the insurance world and you are writing a new policy, it would be extremely valuable to be able to see on an up-to-date interactive map um, what your total... TIV total insurable value is in a particular area, right? So that you're, you can try to understand what needs to be done from a spread of risk standpoint. You don't want to be mm -hmm. in a situation where if a tornado wipes out an area, you had such a huge concentration of risk in that one area uh, that you have uh, a lot more, uh, a lot more to lose whenever a catastrophe sure. uh, type event occurs. And so, um, Arming your frontline workers with that kind of information at their fingertips, extremely helpful, obviously. So 
Uh, a lot of different ways that can be valuable. Claims, people that work claims in the insurance industry uh, like to be able to see uh, very quickly in the case of a catastrophe, again, uh, what claims are coming in on a daily basis. I mean, you can absolutely get swamped with a, with a catastrophe loss, right? Uh, like a hurricane, for example, um, like mm -hmm. we're dealing with right now in Florida. And so uh, this is such a good example of a place where you can arm your frontline workers with, with this type of information. And so all of that, uh, sort of helps you understand, I think, what a what this data lake idea is. Data lake, data analytics, data visualization. When we talk about a data lake, we're talking about the foundation of all the other stuff. Yeah. So I think that's an important point to make that you can't really, it's very difficult to grow in a sustainable way um, a, a, a data dashboard ecosystem without having your foundation in place. And that's the reason that we start with that. So we've gone through in this podcast, literally, I think essentially five steps that get you from the beginning, storing your data uh, in one location and building that up by making sure you get all the data in there, reports, data extracts, APIs, data, database access, ask questions of your data using queries, which means we have to make that data queryable and then building mm -hmm. up views. Uh, and those views are well-organized ways of setting up tables so that we can easily query them and then pull them into the next step, data visualization. The way that we see our data, the way that we organize that data. And the last point that I haven't really gone into in, in enough detail yet is just the idea that all of that, while you can get it in a data visualization dashboard and you can build out your dashboards, there's a very practical use case <laughs> that people don't talk about that often. That's just reports, right? Like yeah. you need regular reports in most industries. Like if nothing else, you need them at the end of a month. But a lot of uh, frontline workers need regular reports that they can work through. Um, they use as a source of data, sort of uh, line up their own workflow for a day. Mm -hmm. um, and this is a great way to do this. You can hook up any report builder to a data lake. So that may not be obvious to most people. There's a famous old report builder has been around forever. Still a very good report builder called Crystal Reports. Crystal Reports connects uh, to anything that will allow it to connect over a JDBC driver. And uh, again, that's, I know, fairly technical, but still you can do that with, with basically any uh, data lake uh, platform. And so the one that we typically use, which is uh, lake formation in AWS, um, uh, it uses Athena. And Athena, uh, that, which is the Presto engine, gives you a JDBC connection and you can literally connect anything directly through Athena. Uh, so it's yep. a nice, easy flow to get access to all of that. And that ultimately gives you the ability to do KPI management, board of directors dashboards, management dashboards, underwriter and claim dashboards, access to any sort of third party partner. So if you've got sure. agencies, you've got, you know, a lot of insurance companies have reinsurance companies or even reinsurance providers that provide individual types of coverages like equipment breakdown and stuff like that. Um, you can get them access into the, into the data, and uh, and ultimately this gives you huge amounts of flexibility for your own corporate data needs. So, yeah, that was uh, me talking an awful lot about uh, all of this stuff. Did, did I miss any points on that, Ben? No, I um, I think there's a couple things that come to mind. Uh, the idea here that sounds like a lot of steps. It is a lot of steps, and also you can't skip any. Um, That's right. The you pretty much need every step for your data to be at a spot where you can make business decisions and be confident in in the data that you're looking at. Cause I know 
um, you know, Chris mentions like those board of directors sort of calls, like big decisions are made in those meetings. Um, they impact, they impact companies, they impact people's lives. So you got to be able to have data that is, um, really well vetted and understood, um, about what a future decision will make. Um, and then, uh, as far as one other application of the data, once, once you've got it built up in views and have that good data model is the idea of internal tooling as well. Um, it's, it's very similar to visualization, but, um, an idea of being able to build, um, tools for your company driven by this data is extremely possible. Um, there's nothing that says you can't build a new tool that also writes data back to the data lake. It makes, um, makes a lot of sense, uh, to me. Um, you know, you could build read only tools for policy lookups or, um, account lookups or history, historical data. Um, if you've, uh, maintained the same policy number or same policy scheme or named insured, you know, look up and see that this person has been, in, um, a customer of yours since 1973. Like you could, you could build this sort of tooling and it's not something that, I think one uh, application system has in scope. It would be something that is uh, across all of the data in your lake um, from a point in time. So uh, there are a lot of different tools out there to bring um, data together. But like Chris said, with the uh, report builder, uh, the fact that Presto gives us access via that JDBC driver, um, it's just a standards compliant way to talk to a SQL database, essentially. Um, since you have that, we have a ton of flexibility as what sort of tools can read and um, write back through the system. That's absolutely right. Yeah. And you know, you really, when you, when you build those third-party tools, you know, remember there's more and more companies that have these APIs accessible as well. So there's actually mm -hmm. some ability to do write access back into the core system. Uh, or if it's quick, even QuickBooks and stuff, I think you can, you can make API calls in uh, from, from your own, uh, internal tooling platform. We talked a little bit about retool, I think on the last podcast, that's a good yep. one that you see, but there's a lot of no code tools that give you some access to do that type of thing. And, um, and yeah, with your, all of your data, uh, again, in one location, it makes a big difference, makes it much easier to do. So, well, I think that about wraps up this episode of the, now you can know podcast. Be sure to leave us a five-star rating if you like the podcast. And if you don't, don't leave anything at all. You yeah, can keep up with Ben and I on Twitter at Datalamp Inc. as soon as we start posting stuff. <laughs> yeah, it's going to happen. Just get ready. Uh, we're also on LinkedIn um, and feel free to follow us there and uh, uh, follow our thought leadering as we do that as well. Thank you. Yeah. Um, but thanks, everyone. Have a good one.